You are listening to the Through the Bible Studio Series with Pastor Nate Holdridge. Join us as we continue our study through the Old Testament book of Exodus. Here's Nate. Well, as we turn to Exodus chapter 10, we're getting near the end of God's judgment upon the nation of Egypt and more specifically, the false gods that the Egyptian people had worshipped. One by one, systematically, God is through a series of plagues attacking each one of the false gods there in Egypt. And the primary false god that God was going after was this man named Pharaoh, a man who received worship in Egypt, who considered himself and his sons to be deity, to be children of the sun, and believed that they were gods and that they deserved the worship and the admiration, the honor of man, something that only the one true God should receive. And so God is systematically here through three sets of three plagues each, judging the false gods there in Egypt. To purge them, of course, from the Egyptians' hearts, but also probably unlikely from the hearts of his own people, the Hebrew people. It's interesting, in the book of Ezekiel, in the 20th chapter, God is speaking to his prophet Ezekiel, and he spoke of a day where in the wilderness, when the people were wandering, he says this, he says, And I said to their children in the wilderness, do not walk in the statutes of your fathers, nor keep their rules, nor defile yourself with their idols. He spoke of a time in the wilderness where he exhorted that wilderness generation to resist the idolatrous ways of the previous generations of Hebrew people. It's possible that the Lord is referring to the generations that had existed there in Egypt, who had begun to pick up on the false worship ways of the people there in Egypt. And so God is removing and redeeming and pulling his people out of this very harsh environment of slavery, but more importantly, an environment of idolatry. God is purging it from their midst. God will not rest until he and he alone is worshipped in the hearts and minds and lives of his people. It leads to his glory, but it leads to the good of his people. He knows it's the best place for us. So we pick it up in chapter 10, verse 1 today. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants as well. So not just Pharaoh, but also his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them. And this is always, of course, is an interesting statement from the Lord. He says, I've hardened Pharaoh's heart and the heart of his servants. Now, if you followed along here in the study of Exodus, you know that at the beginning of this story, Pharaoh was the one hardening his heart. It would say things like, and Pharaoh hardened his heart, and Pharaoh would not let the people go. But after a while, and here we're in the eighth plague, we're near the very end, and it begins to tell us here that God is now involved in hardening the heart of this man. This Pharaoh who 
was demanding worship, he would never humble himself and get to that place of saying, you know what, I don't deserve worship. I am not God. And these other gods that I've worshipped, they are also not God. There is one true God, the God of the Hebrew people. Pharaoh would not humble himself. His heart was hard and he resisted as well as the hearts of his servants as well. And so God said to Moses, he said, and these signs are coming, that verse 2, you may tell in the hearing of your son and of your grandson how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I have done among them that you may know that I am the Lord. I love this. God says to Moses, he says, listen, what I'm about to do, and of course Moses couldn't see it all clearly yet. He didn't know at the beginning of this, as far as we can tell, how many plagues there would be. But he didn't know of the firstborn sons being killed in Egypt. He didn't know of the parting of the Red Sea and the complete victory over Pharaoh and his army. He couldn't know of those things, but God is announcing in advance and saying, listen, the things that I'm about to do, these are things that you are going to be telling future generations about your son, your grandson. You will speak to them of the powerful and mighty things that I have done among these Egyptians. And it just speaks to us, I think, of the heart of God. God, in his fatherly heart, longs for his children to be a people who speak into the hearts and minds and lives of the next generation. That we would pass down the faith that we have received. That we would speak to our children. That we would speak to our youth. That we would speak to those younger than us of God's great faithfulness in our lives. Of what God himself has done and how he's proved his faithfulness to us. Sometimes we think that we need to have some kind of theological degree or we need to get to advanced, some level of advanced Christianity before we can speak to others of the great things that God has done for us. But I would encourage you, wherever you are and wherever you're at, I would encourage you to speak to the young people in your life and just tell them of the great things that the Lord has done for you. So Moses, verse 3, and Aaron went into Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? Let my people go that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your country, and they shall cover the face of the land so that no one can see the land. And they shall eat what is left to you after the hail, and they shall eat every tree of yours that grows in the field, and they shall fill your houses and the houses of all your servants and of all the Egyptians, as neither your fathers nor your grandfathers have seen from the day they came on the earth to this day. Then he turned and went out from Pharaoh. So Moses goes into Pharaoh with a bold proclamation. He tells them of the eighth plague that is coming, the plague of the locusts. He said, listen, when this plague comes, they are going to decimate everything that is still growing in Egypt, everything that's been left over from all the other plagues, including the plague of hail, everything that is still there, these locusts are going to come and eat. They will be on your land. They will be in your houses. It will be as a black cloud upon you. And it's interesting, though, because the opening thing that Moses says to Pharaoh is, 
How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? This is the word of God to Pharaoh. How long, Pharaoh, will you declare yourself as God and refuse to humble yourself in my sight? So often, this is the issue for people. They refuse to stop worshiping false gods and they say, I cannot imagine that the God of the Bible is the true and living God. Everything is God or there are many gods or God is whatever I make him to be. And they refuse to allow the word of God to define who God truly is or They themselves want to be in a position of authority. They themselves want to be God. And Pharaoh had both problems in his heart and in his life. He refused to cease believing in his false gods. And he refused to get off the throne of deity himself, claiming himself to be God. And so God says, how long until you will humble yourself before me? Then Pharaoh's servants, verse 7, said to him, How long shall this man be a snare to us? They're getting tired of Moses. You can imagine whenever Moses would show up, it was not a happy day. There was no confetti or streamers. There was no cake when Moses showed up. They knew that he came with bad news and with more plagues. And here on the verge of the eighth plague, they say, how long will this man be a snare to us? Let the men go. They begin to counsel Pharaoh. Let the men go that they may serve the Lord their God. Do you not yet understand that Egypt is ruined? Pharaoh, look around at the reality of the situation, they're saying. This place is decimated. Let these men go and do whatever they want to do. So Moses and Aaron, verse 8, were brought back to Pharaoh. And he said to them, go, serve the Lord your God, but which ones are to go? And Moses said, we will go with our young and our old. We will go with our sons and daughters and with our flocks and herds, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. So as if Pharaoh didn't know that Moses had been requesting for everyone to be able to go and worship the Lord, he says, who is supposed to go? And Moses replies, everyone, the young and the old, the sons and the daughters, we're all going with our herds and our livestock to go have this feast unto the Lord. But he said to them, verse 10, the Lord be with you if I ever let you and your little ones go. Look, you have some evil purpose in in mind. No, go the men among you and serve the Lord, for that is what you were asking. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. So Pharaoh responds in two ways to Moses. First of all, he threatens Moses. And this is a tactic of the enemy from the very beginning threatening God's people. The moment that you want to serve the Lord, the moment that you want to step out in obedience to him, the moment you want to make that bold declaration that you believe the gospel and that Jesus Christ has changed your life, the moment you want to take a stand for him, the moment you need to break off a relationship that needs to end as a result of your Christianity, whatever it might be, whatever stand you might need to take, whatever consecration might be there present in your heart, you can rest assured that fear will fill your life, your mind, and your heart. And that is a tactic of the enemy himself. Pharaoh comes in and threatens Moses. And then secondly, he gives a counteroffer to Moses. He says, take the men. I know you want the women and the children and the young and the old, but just go with the men and have a feast unto the Lord. You know, it'll be a good time. You and the guys and 
hanging out, but leave the women, leave the children. And of course, this was an insurance policy for Pharaoh, leaving the children and the women behind. He would have thought, well, the men surely will return. But this counteroffer, of course, would signify partial obedience for Moses and the people of Israel. If they went out there with just the men, it would only have been part of the thing that God had asked them to do. And so Pharaoh is repeating a tactic that Satan repeats quite often. He loves to tempt God's people with a partial obedience. Yes, I will date a believer, a a Christian, but we can still experiment physically and cross the line of those boundaries. Or, uh, yes, I will, you know, give to the Lord, but I'm not going to be regular about it or give a tithe unto the Lord consistently. I'm going to just kind of do it whenever I feel that it's right for me to do it. Satan loves to speak to our hearts and say, just give the Lord a portion, a little bit, but don't do everything that he's asked you to do. And so they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. Then the Lord, verse 12, said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts so that they may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every plant in the land, all that the hail has left. So Moses stretched out his staff over the land of Egypt, and the Lord brought an east wind upon the land all that day and all that night. When it was morning, the east wind had brought the locusts, and the locusts came up over all the land of Egypt and settled on the whole country of Egypt, such a dense swarm of locusts as had never been seen before nor ever will be again, just as God had prophesied, of course. Verse 15, they covered the face of the whole land so that the land was darkened and they ate all the plants in the land and all the fruit of the trees that the hail had left. Not a green thing remained, neither tree nor plant of the field through all the land of Egypt. So the Bible is going to great pains to tell us of the complete decimation there in Egypt. Then Pharaoh hastily called Moses and Aaron and said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now, therefore, please forgive my sin only this once and plead with the Lord your God only to remove this death from me. You can see now the position that Moses is taking in Pharaoh's life and that, of course, God is taking in Pharaoh's life. When Moses is asked to come in to meet Pharaoh and Pharaoh says, please, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you and forgive my sin. He asks Moses for forgiveness. Pharaoh is beginning to get in that right place. There's a little bit of hope there that his heart is going to be humbled and softened. Moses has increased in stature in his eyes and so has God. And so he says, please, you know, pray for me. I've sinned forgive me. So, verse 18, Moses went out from Pharaoh and pleaded with the Lord. And the Lord turned the wind into a very strong west wind, which lifted the locusts and drove them into the Red Sea. Not a single locust was left in all the country of Egypt, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go. 
So Pharaoh, even after all of this, he refuses to allow God's people to leave. Now in verse 21, we get the ninth plague, the last plague before the final plague, the plague of darkness. Then the Lord, verse 21, said to Moses, stretch out your hand toward heaven that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, a darkness to be felt. Now, it's interesting here in all of these plagues that God is bringing upon Egypt. One thing that you have to see here is that it's almost as if God is reversing the creation process right in front of them. And here you have in really what is the final of the plagues. The 10th plague is such a standalone by itself, the killing of the firstborn son. It's in a category all unto itself. This is the ninth plague, the third set of three, the final one. And it's darkness, just at the beginning of the world, when there was a darkness over the face of the earth, and God said, let there be light. The first thing he did was eradicate that darkness. Well, here it's as if creation is reversing. It's just absolute chaos in Egypt at this moment. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven and There was pitch darkness in all the land of Egypt three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the people of Israel had light where they lived. Then Pharaoh called Moses and said, Go serve the Lord. Your little ones also may go with you. Only let your flocks and your herds remain behind. So once again, we see a difference between the people of Israel, the Hebrew people, living in the land of Goshen and the rest of the Egyptians. Here this darkness comes upon all the land of Egypt except for the territory that the Hebrew people were living in. So a very clear distinction between the Hebrews and the Egyptians. And the distinction, of course, was the covenant that God had made with these people. He is a covenantal God and keeps his promise and keeps his covenant with his people. And Pharaoh comes in after this darkness, this darkness that is so severe that it can be felt, the Bible says. And he says, listen, go serve the Lord. You can take your children. That's fine. But don't take your flocks and don't take your herds. Now, this is another temptation, another tactic of Satan that he quite often uses in a person's life. Here, of course, it's a partial obedience. You can all go, but you can't bring your flocks and your herds with you. But when you consider what kind of partial obedience, it's fascinating. This is a partial obedience concerning their possessions. You know, really, for a Hebrew, everything that they had should have, in their minds, belonged to God. They should have lived as stewards. And here, what Pharaoh is saying is, hey, listen, you can go serve the Lord, but you don't need to sacrifice anything to him. You don't need to give anything to him. Oh, your service can look a lot of different ways. You don't need to give unto the Lord. And I found that one of the final frontiers in a Christian person's life is the letting go of their finances and honoring God with their finances. Satan loves to tempt us to partial obedience. And I think financially, this is one of the 
biggest temptations for a believer is to hold tight to their finances, not to give to their local congregation, not to be generous with those who are in need around them, not to support missions works throughout the world. And here they receive that very same temptation. But Moses said, verse 25, you must also let us have sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. In other words, Moses is saying, listen, our worship is costly. Our livestock, verse 26, also must go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind, for we must take of them to serve the Lord our God. And we do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. So again, just an adventure before the Lord. They just didn't know what was coming. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not let them go. Then Pharaoh said to him, Get away from me. Take care never to see my face again. For on the day you see my face, you shall die. Again, just the pride of this man to, on one moment, be experiencing this incredible plague of darkness, the ninth plague, and to plead for you to have relief and then to be just rebuffed even slightly. No, we have to take our flocks. We have to take our herds and to respond with this kind of venom and to say, get away from me. You'll never see my face again. The next time you see my face, you will die. Just the pride of this man's heart. And Moses said, as you say, I will not see your face again. Now that seems tricky because in chapter 11, he actually does see his face again. And so the question is, well, what's going on here? And perhaps what Moses is saying is, you'll never see my face again with a merciful warning. That's what all these plagues have been, an opportunity for you, Pharaoh, to repent. But you've rejected every opportunity. You'll only see my face for judgment, never again with an offer of mercy. But I think that there's a good chance that actually all that's happening is the text is just rolling right into chapter 11, where Moses had already pre-received the warning concerning the final plague. And there in Pharaoh's presence, this last moment that Pharaoh is going to see his face, Moses rolls right into this 11th chapter after being rejected after the plague of darkness. And he announces to Pharaoh what is coming. He says, first, you're never going to see my face again. I agree with you. And here's the last thing you need to know. The Lord said to Moses, verse 1 of chapter 11, Yet one plague more I will bring upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go from here. When he lets you go, he will drive you out completely. Speak now in the hearing of the people that they ask every man of his neighbor and every woman of her neighbor for silver and gold and jewelry. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants and in the sight of the people. And so God gives Moses and the people these directives. He says, listen, there's one final plague. So now Moses knows that he's near the end. He hasn't known up to this point how long these plagues would be brought upon Egypt. And then God tells the people, he says, you need to ask the Egyptians for silver and gold jewelry. And they begin to ask and they receive great favor. And of course, this silver and gold would be used in the future 
furnishings of the tabernacle, which would be used for the worship of God. But it tells us in verse 3 that the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. God had so raised Pharaoh up in the eyes and the estimation of the people there in Egypt. The servants of Pharaoh, the officials in his court, the magicians, they'd seen the miraculous, the people had heard of Moses. And Moses has been raised up in that nation. And it's so fascinating because when Moses was prideful in his heart as a younger man, when he assumed that people would know that he was the one that would deliver the people from their slavery, when he made that assumption about his life, when he held himself in high esteem, the Lord had to humble him and bring him low. But when Moses, at the burning bush, heard of the renewed call of God upon his life, you remember that he did not say, well, of course, I'm Moses. I'm the man for the job, the man of the hour. That wasn't Moses' response. He said, who am I to be used in this kind of way? It was only after the humility within his heart that God raised him up to such a great and wonderful degree. James said in James 4 verse 10, Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Listen, humble yourself before the Lord. Allow him to be the one to raise you up in all that he has for your life. Be patient, wait, be gentle, be kind. Allow the inward work of the Spirit to occur in your life, and God himself will raise you up. So Moses said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt, and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on the throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of cattle. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been, nor ever will be again. And so God announces, this is not a warning that has the possibility of change attached to it. He's just saying, this is what I'm going to do. And he says, I'm going to take the firstborn of every household here in Egypt. Now, in Pharaoh's house, Pharaoh's firstborn son was considered a god. And God had warned of this from the very beginning. Way back in chapter 4, verse 22 and 23, the Lord had said to Pharaoh, He says, Israel is my firstborn son, and I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. And if you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. This is God saying to Pharaoh, listen. This is your chance. My firstborn son, you have tormented him. You have enslaved him. You have not let him go. And unless you do, I will take your firstborn son. He says, but not a dog, verse 7, shall growl against any of the people of Israel, either man or beast, that you may know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. We've seen this all the way from the fourth plague with the flies up until this point, there has been a distinction between the people of Israel and the people of 
Egypt. And here there would be a final stark distinction. He says, although your firstborn will die, not a dog is even going to try to growl against the people of Israel. And all these your servants shall come down to me and bow down to me saying, get out you and all the people who follow you. And after that, I will go out. And Moses went out from the Pharaoh in hot anger because of the stupidity and hard heartedness of this man. Then the Lord said to Moses, Pharaoh will not listen to you that my wonders may be multiplied in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron, verse 10, did all these wonders before Pharaoh. And the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the people of Israel go out of his land. God is making a public example of this man who demanded to be worshipped as God. So remember, remember the grace of the Lord. Remember his strong power to deliver us and to redeem us from our slavery. God bless you and amen. Thank you for listening. For additional resources and teachings, or to contact us, please visit us at nateholdridge.com.